to another episode of NRG Insights. Um, this is where we speak to people across the market um, just to get their views on the market and, and obviously any tips or suggestions or parts of their, um, their business that we might find interesting. So today I've got Phil Livesley from Monica Bradley Associates. Thank you for joining me, Phil. Uh, pleasure, to, pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. So let's, let's start with, uh, tell me about your journey, how you got to, uh, to the position you are now at Monica Bradley. Gosh. Um, so I started in this industry in 20, uh, 2006, uh, December 2006. So it's, it's my. You don't look old enough. You were just talking about your skin hair regime. I can't believe you've been around that long. <laughs> longer than me. I've got, I've, I've, I've got a big birthday coming up next uh, next year, Marcus. Yeah. Well, you don't like 50? to talk about You're that. You're 50. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it started in December 2006. Um, like a lot of people, kind of fell into the industry, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Graduated from university with a history degree. History degree. Um, great use I of do. time money that was. Um, yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, and I, I was doing a bit of a part-time job, and uh, and somebody flippantly said, uh, "Oh, I used to be a mortgage broker, and I earned lots of money." And and I'd love to say it was more deep than that, but quite literally, that <laughs> is what what made me explore it. I want to. Um, I want to earn money, so I will do that. That's a good. Do you know what? Precisely. Yeah. No one. No one was at school wishing they were a mortgage broker. So I get it. No one comes on and says it was my deepest dream from the age that I was six. So um, we all fall into it, right? Exactly. I mean, my dad was at an IFA. Um, I didn't quite follow. I think that was a bit too complicated for me, so I took the, the more simple. <laughs> like an simple IFA way. with a head bashed in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I joined the firm. Um, in fact, you had um, Stephen Hand on, on previously this year. Who mm-hmm. I, I only learnt from uh, listening to, to, to that episode that we were at the same firm, not at the same time, um, but, but I joined the firm. I won't name them. That they're not, no longer in business anyway, but... Um, that they operated in the kind of northwest of England in I was going to say, so all still the major north. cities. Yeah, and um, and anyone who's up north at the time um, in the early noughties would, would recognise their radio adverts uh, that were everywhere. Can you sing um, them? And I land- uh, I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> um, I'm quite scared of the uh, the CEO. I think he's. I don't know if he's still kicking around, but uh, yes, yeah, so I'll mention them. Um, but um, I, I got there, and it was a bit of a culture shock, really, because. It wasn't what I expected. That they were a, a subprime broker. This was don't forget late two thousand six, so before all the all, all, all the nonsense mm-hmm. happened with the with the crash, uh, and they were extracting up to three percent fees from from clients who were in a really poor situation, and and it just didn't really sit right with me. So I, I didn't last long there. Uh, they're good people there. I, I just didn't really I didn't really vibe with the business practice. Yeah. Um, and I was I was rescued by a chap called Gary Brash, who's he's since been a bit of a mentor for me. Um, he was at Mortgage Advice Bureau uh, in St Helens, and, uh, and and I was there for uh, gosh seven wonderful years um, with, with him. Albeit with a, uh, I've left Gary twice. Uh, I, I left in twenty ten. Um, to, to go and go and do something very different out in uh, out in China, which didn't didn't really work out. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> that sounds really dodgy. Unless you explain it, but we'll just leave it there. Actually, don't explain it. Something in <laughs> China no, 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 didn't no, no, work no. out. Yeah, were you so in footballs? Yeah, I, <laughs> I should have been. Um, no, I, I took the route that I've, I've heard a few other people have um, have done this. Now I think I was just sat one rainy Tuesday in uh, in a mortgage brokerage in the northwest of England in 2010 where the market hadn't recovered I mean the market recovered I think down here a little bit faster but 
but up there it really it really didn't and and mm. there was not really much going on uh business wise and and i i got a phone call from from a recruiter ter- terrible people and scumbags um, never trust them. <laughs> uh, I got a phone call from, from somebody who said, do, do you want to come and live and work overseas? Uh, and, I, and I looked out the window, uh, and like today, it was, it was raining. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, why not? And, and 30 days later, there I am in Shanghai selling, um, selling investments to, to expats. Oh, gosh, is it, it one of those? Boiler room. Yeah, 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 boiler room. It was, it was a boiler room, Marcus. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a great experience. Uh, I, I only lasted five months before, quite frankly, before the money ran out. I think um, uh, if you can last then, five months in a boiler room, you're nearly making manager, aren't you? That's a tough... Uh, that's a tough gig. I had friends who did that. They went out to Malaysia. Oh, this is going to be amazing. Everyone's earning hundreds of thousands of pounds. And they were like, this is hideous. We're locked in a room. <laughs> we're just yeah, selling to people yeah. that don't want it. And whether the investment is real or not, it's a, it's a, it's a well, shocker. Weirdly, the, the products were okay. Um, it was just the method of selling was, was appalling. And you'd, you'd, be, you'd be basically dialing out 200 times a day to people where your colleagues had been dialing out to the same people. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was absolutely horrendous. But I learned a lot. I mean, I, I learned not to be so naive as to believe everything that you're told. Um, <laughs> and, and actually, it was the first time where I think I truly failed spectacularly at, at something. Uh, I had to come back to the UK with my tail between my legs. Well, you, uh, you mean your first friends. time you got a massive learning experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> do you know what? I'd do it again. It, it cost me an absolute fortune, but I would do it again because I, I, was, a, I was a different guy. That I think I grew up. Um, yeah, oh, good. There. So, how did you end up down here yeah. then? How did you end up? Because obviously you're based in Surrey now. How did that? Um, how did you get down? Oh no, you got down here on the road. But well, how did that come about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is 2014, um, and I, 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 I got my kind of China adventure out of my system. Uh, knuckled down, the market improved. Um, was doing some really good business with with a good estate agency chain, a uh, small independent chain up in in, in the northwest, and. Um, and my my girlfriend got a job in in London, and uh, I, I was I was just about to turn thirty, um, and thought I, I kind of need to be uh, I need to be down there, and and picked up the phone to to another kind of really good mentor of mine, Gareth Herbert at, at Mortgage Advice Bureau, and said, "Can you help me? Um, I, I want to try and find a, a business down south." And sure enough, he introduced me to to, to Monica Bradley and the uh, and, and the rest, as they Going say. From is, there, is yeah. Good. Amazing. Yeah. So your sales manager at now, Monica, Monica Bradley, and for those that don't know, um, one of the highest performing companies in MAB, if not the highest in the South, uh, has been, and, and Monica has been for a number of years, right? That's just, yeah. she's always had a phenomenal business there. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about the business. How, how, how are your levels of business so much higher than a high percentage of people every year? What, what is it, do you think, that is the differentiator? It's a good question, Marcus. I mean, I mean to... to to, to give some context, we, so we are not a big firm, um, and and we see a lot of firms in our industry who are really looking to, to scale, um, having massive numbers of advisors, but sometimes massive numbers of advisors who aren't really writing much business. Uh, yeah. And I think where that's the case, it doesn't. I don't think anyone wins there really. The, the, the firm doesn't. The it's a strange doesn't, one, isn't it? It's a bit. It's, uh, it's a bit dick swinging to have loads of staff all writing like you know 80 100k just doesn't doesn't yeah. make sense to me all of our all of our best clients have you know dr- drive as much business through their current brokers and when that's a capacity that's when you fill up the next one and then they get that capacity just it's a um it's a strange model just bums on seats you know i've never been a massive fan uh, i i think so but i don't want to be 
I don't be too critical because because every model's different, and and some would look at our model and think it's not the right way. But mm. we, we've got a smaller number of advisors who um, our productivity per head, I'm reliably informed, is the is the highest within Mortgage yeah. Advice Bureau, um, and that is purely because we have a small number of really talented individuals who care deeply about the customer. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, yeah. yeah. But surely, like everyone cares about the customer, right? Like, or not everyone, that's not true. You're supposed to care about the customer. But there is something in that business, and I know part of that is Monica, you know, she's fantastic. And obviously, uh, you've taken over the helm of sales manager as well, and that's, that's obviously had an impact. But th- there must be a secret source to brokerage. I see all the time, you know, I see good brokerages where they just don't make that much. Um, or they're... Yeah. You know, and you guys do. So there must be um, something about it that. Um, uh, do you th- what, what do you think? It, maybe do you think it's the, just that kind of culture. Or? Well, I was going to say, yeah, the, the dreaded C word. I mean, you, you hear people talk about culture quite a lot these days. And culture, uh, culture, in my view, most of the time, right? <laughs> it, it's not. It's not well, what they think it is. No, I mean. Culture, you can write some words on the wall in a stencil or you can put it on your website. That doesn't mean, that's not culture. Like, yeah. c- culture Amen. is the behavior of everyone within the business. And and that, I think, is probably, that's the secret sauce, I think, Marcus, is that everyone, culture comes from the top down. Everyone yeah. can see Monica demonstrates. She, she, she kind of walks the talk. Um, her mantra is, is four simple words, and that is talk to people. That's three words. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> the four words. Monica makes it four. It's much different. And that's what she does. I mean, she picks up the phone and she speaks to clients often. Uh, yeah. And 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 she gets. She's really interested in people and, and she fact finds really well. And, and I think when you see the MD do that, it, it's very infectious, and everybody else starts yeah. to starts to do it as well. And Monica um, still writes business, yeah. Monica writes a phenomenal amount of business. That's what, yeah. Um, so but that's I, what I mean. Like you, you get a lot of, uh, I have I have kind of conflicting conversations with managers, especially on here. Actually, I was speaking to uh, Gindi Mifun at Create Finance the other day, for instance. And he he's still a player manager, whereas others have stepped back after sort of around the seven or eight people. They felt like they're more. I know it kind of depends on the person and what you love doing and how effective you are for the business. But what's what's the benefit to you guys to have still have a player manager? Um, running it as opposed to someone uh, it's just top level business stuff um, I think I think it's the, the passion for the job I mean the, the reason Monica still writes business is, is for no other reason than she, she really enjoys it it's yeah. what she's she's always done she's, she's been great at it for a long period of time um, and and success leaves clues right I mean and that's why we all try and follow the way that the way that she works uh, I yeah. guess the reason I'm here in the role that I do is that there's a lot of stuff that Monica I think finds quite dull um, and, and given that I'm quite dull I think it's perfect <laughs> fit um, so I, I, I spend the days pouring through spreadsheets and reports but I, I enjoy that kind of that but that's really important for people to understand as well like successful business has every bit of the business covered by people who are good at that bit of the business so mm-hmm. Monica going through spreadsheets is an absolute waste of time when she could be making a hell of a lot of money speaking to people so I think that's really important. Yeah. I, do, I think people tend to hold on to all that stuff because it seems like they're not menial tasks. They're things that drive business. But actually, yeah. if, you just, if you hold on to it all yourself, you're never going to get any further. And it's impossible to do everything, yeah. right? So how, how do you separate those with, with like your, your management team and that kind of thing? How does everything get separated? Or do you have a, like a, do you have a, like a job spec or do you not? Is it just kind of everything that gets, that gets put on your plate? No, we, we, we're not kind of that detailed, and I think we're getting we're growing to the size now where we've kind of organically organically grown to this stage. 
where we're having to start to um, incorporate these these types of things. So mm-hmm. we're having to start having specific job specs and, and and people being accountable for certain parts of the business. And um, sometimes it feels it feels quite difficult um, to 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 start thinking that way because it's. We've been really successful by being a yeah, small yeah. business that is agile and, and everyone kind of mucks in and does things and 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 there certainly are growing pains. Um, but well, yeah, so you I, get I, to a certain point and you don't have everyone's accountability responsibility set up, then it it becomes a tough gig later on, right? That's that that foundation level stuff that you've got to uh, got to implement at a certain point. Yeah, absolutely, and we're we're really successful partly because that there isn't really a. Um, a strict process in terms of how the job should be done um, and I get it when you're a much larger firm you have to have that um, but for us because we've got a small number of really talented individuals um, we have a broad framework of, of how we think it should be done and, and everyone everyone understands the, the right way to, to, to assist a customer and so everyone probably does things a little bit differently but it but it works and, and, and I know I mean part of the part of this kind of strengths I guess I, I've now developed is I know what each member of the team is, is good at um, if, if we have a, a new prospect come across my desk um, and I have a little bit of detail I should know which members of the team are going to be strongest to, to help that help that person so I, I think it does help having different individuals with really different characteristics um, we're, we're a real mixed bag of people but, um, but good we, bunch. We, we get the job done Good, good. And what's the uh, what are the plans for twenty twenty four? How do you see the how do you see the market? Um, I'm a bit of an outlier, I guess. Uh, I, I speak to a lot of people, um, and certainly a lot of lenders are predicting a market which is not too dissimilar from from this year. Um, I, I don't agree, I, I, and 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 the reason I don't agree is that if, if you think all the lumps and bumps this year that we've had, um, I mean, at the beginning of the year, Q one was characterised by still a lot of panic. Um, we we then had rates being pulled with with very little notice. Um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kind of dwell on that really because no, no. at the time it felt awful. But but uh, I'm a I'm a big believer in that nothing is ever as good or bad as it seems, Marcus. At the time yeah, it yeah. might feel terrible, and, and when you look back on it just a few months later, it's it's not actually that bad. Yeah, so um, this, the, this, I heard a few this, people. This two uh, shall pass situation, isn't it? Whether it's good or bad, precisely. Yeah. There's a lot of people kind of likening what we've been through to, to 2008. It couldn't be any more different. They weren't um, there, Phil. Uh, it's the, I, I <laughs> yeah. like 2008 to Vietnam. If you talk about it, you, you're like, it's now you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, but no, so, so this year, I think the, the big thing that I've picked up this year is that the, the market in general, our clients, were far more resilient to some pretty significant rate changes than I think any of us would have expected. Mm. Uh, and you, you have the, I, I still deal with clients, albeit a small number these days, but you pick up the phone and, and somebody's due to, to refinance and they're coming off a rate of 1.2%. Uh, and you're sat there and your sourcing system is telling you it's going to be, it's going to be in excess of 5%. And, yeah. and you think, there's going to be there's going to be screaming there's going to be tears this isn't going to be good and and, and the overwhelming response has been um, I was expecting it I was expecting worse and actually this isn't as bad as I thought and, and, and uh, so I, I think people in general have been super resilient so, so next year we're going into next year where we've finally got a little bit of calmness in the market um, rates fixed rates obviously have been trickling down. Uh, very slightly over the last couple of months. At some stage, that that's going to have to stop. Uh, I'm, I'm not a believer 
and and look, I'll be wrong on this probably, uh, and I'm quite happy to re- be reminded of it. But I'm not a believer that we'll see um, base rate come down. It's in the second half of next year, as many people are thinking. Did you did you you, you not agree with the Savills economist then that we were sort of discussing at the um, MAB conference that had it down to 2.75 by the end of the year? I don't know what uh, what shareholders he was trying to please with that, but it's going to move a little bit, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I, I think I'm smarter than him. I'm, I'm really not, and, and he's done a lot of good work. Uh, I, th- I think he's probably called that one wrong, and, and there's maybe some, uh, some people he's trying to please there. But, uh, but no, so I think we kind of know where we are. Um, I think now that rates are, in some cases, below 5%, I, I think that's where we've crossed the Rubicon now, where we are starting to find, anecdotally, I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I can't give any data to support this other than what I'm kind of seeing and feeling, but we're starting to find buyers coming back now who are... Who are looking at, uh, at properties and, and a lot of first-time buyers because if you think about it again it's all perception um, is that we think this is terrible we, we think a rate of five percent is awful in the context of, of what we've seen over the last 10 to 12 years but if you're a first-time buyer who's in rent renting at the moment and your all that you've seen is your, your rent has gone up and up and up then why not buy take control of your situation and, and yeah, at yeah. least you can secure your, your payment for a period of time so I, I think we'll see a little bit more purchase activity next year um, there's a hell of a lot of remortgages I mean everyone's talking about 1.8 million product end dates next year so I, I think we're going to have an okay year yeah. uh, I think some people have been a little bit pessimistic out of interest because I know we talked about this offline so I'll be interested to, to, to get online but um all the brokers I speak not all the brokers, most of the brokers I speak to are fairly optimistic about next year. Very different when you talk to the lenders, because they're all very talking about a flat, flat market and that kind of thing. Um, and and we, we discussed it. Why do you think that, that, that they're not at the same level of optimism at the moment? Why do you think the lenders are at a slightly different level to the, to the brokers? Uh, I'm not really sure. It's, it's a really good question. Um, I, I think lenders are naturally a little bit more cautious than, hmm. than we are. Um, and they would probably much rather overshoot targets um, this time next year than, yeah. than, than be. I suppose there's not many, not many on the broken world that have shareholders to answer to. So you don't want to be, you can be optimistic, right? It, it should staff. You think we're going to do well? We're yeah. going to do well. It's not like you're answering to it at the end of the year. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the yeah. difference. I think when we talked about it, you, you had said that um, maybe because brokers feel things quicker. Because we get a feeling of it at the moment, but it's anecdotal, not data-driven. Whereas I suppose they have to be very data-driven, don't they? And they're not—they're not getting the sense. They're not kind of boots on the ground like you are. So they're not—they're not feeling it as yet. Yeah, and, and also a lot of the data that people rely upon is is very out of date. I mean, a really good example is land registry data is is so out of date. I mean, um, I've got a friend. Sorry, girlfriend's brother is is buying out in in Dubai at the moment, and. Uh, they're turning around transactions unbelievably quickly, so that data is solid. So th- th- you can look at what is happening to to house prices, and you know. The Whereas here, before, it's yeah. it's kind of yes, yeah, it's, it's eye of Newton, uh, <laughs> and put it all into the. The, the thing is, their systems are a lot newer, aren't they? We've uh, you know. Yeah. It's uh, you know there's yeah, yeah, much more up to date, but it is, isn't it? I mean, we work off quite an archaic system when it comes to data. Yeah, absolutely. So it, a lot of it has to be based upon feel, and, and then naturally, I mean, there's 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 plenty of people on social media who make a, try and make a little bit of a name for themselves by um, being con- contrary. Um, there are certain people out there predicting thirty five percent house price 
uh, falls, and and it's just not going to happen. Someone's going to be right, <laughs> you know. And there's going to be there's one there's a percentage everyone's guessed, and someone's going to be spot on. But yeah, some of it is ridiculous, isn't it? Do you think it's just scaremongering? That's kind of the mainstream media um, tag, isn't it? Just to, uh, to chuck in a couple of highlight titles of thirty five percent house price drops and stuff. Um, to be honest, it's not come from the it's not come from the media really. It, it, it's come from certain individuals. I, I've I think one thing that's, that I've done this year is I've, I've stopped looking at social media. Right mm-hmm. um, it, it, in our industry, it used to be a really rich resource of meeting like minded people. A, a lot of people I speak to regularly who are kind of movers and shakers in this industry were, were around yeah. on the likes of Twitter in, in from 2010 onwards, and I've met some really great people who. I mean, quite frankly, the reason I'm here uh, uh, is that I, I I lean on people and I ask them questions and I learn a lot and, and I've got, there's a whole host of people who, without them really knowing it, have, have mentored me over the last decade or so and, and I'm, I'm super, super grateful to them all and and in the main, I met them by being on social media and turning up to events, um, yeah. whether, whether I was invited How or not. How important has that been for your and, career, interestingly, if there are brokers listening to this that don't feel like they can ask questions to other people because I'm the same as you right I, I've built a business yeah. on asking questions that so yeah. I, I have no problem with it whatsoever and I have no problem with someone asked me I just think that's 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 the nature of being human it's the nature of growing something is you I don't I know I don't know a lot so I know there's loads of things yeah. I need to learn from someone um how do how did you go about it initially was it literally just asking someone a question or because there are a lot of people that feel like it's quite insular the, the market um yeah uh, I guess just reaching out to people and, and, and asking, being, being interested. I, I'm a firm believer that you can go into any conversation, learn, being able to learn something from that person, doesn't matter who they are. Mm. Um, and when you've got people, I'll drop some names. I mean, I mean there, there are people like, I mentioned Gareth Herbert. Um, he's been great for me great in my man, career. Yeah. He, he, will, he will always answer the phone when, when I call him. Um, there, there are people like Rob Jupp, who, who I speak to uh, occasionally, a uh, good mate of mine, Greg Cunnington at LDM Finance. So a lot of people that I can just get in touch with and yeah. who'll act as a sounding board. Mo- Monica is, is certainly one. I mean, You need those, don't you? You need those the, around your career because you can't just... There's always... Yeah. In a business, there's always going to be a, 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 a staffing management structure situation. So there's only so much you can talk to each other about. But actually, having people on your level across the business, I think, is so important. Across yeah, the, it is. Know. And it's a shame that it's, it's, it's changed now. I, I look at a lot of the, a lot of the good guys have just aren't really on social media anymore because it's it's become I mean we, we can we can digress and talk about Twitter or X and and, and what that has become now but it's I become a little bit that's that's the, that's the, yeah, the bottom line essentially yeah yeah it's, it's it's not people helping each other it's 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 a bit of a, a, a you know what measuring contest it's a um, lot of hate on there I just I can't believe we, we're on there for the business right so I'm not on there personally. And I don't know what yeah. I must have clicked on to get like the algorithm just well, thinking I just assume I want to I want to like hate everyone and hate life itself because every time I turn it on it's just continual hate stuff I'm like I'm a for, like thinking myself as a relatively positive positive person so all of my other stuff is connected to that so it's really strange that X has that um, you know just just pumping out toxic toxic news in there all the time. Yeah, I think it's just because you look like a rough bloke, Marcus. That's probably. I think it. that's what it is. They've looked at me and they've gone, "Oh, you want to see football hooligans? Because you look like one." <laughs> Can I? Um, you know, you said about Gareth Herbert. Uh, do you know, 
Like, I think this is important, wise, like people skills wise. He, he, we were at awards do recently, and I had done a deal for someone that I didn't even know he knew about, and he just popped over my table and said, "Well done on that thing you did for us the other day." And I didn't even know he knew, but I just think it shows a level of class that you're aware of everything around you. When you're at that level and you're still happy to help or happy to acknowledge that someone's done something for you, I think that's that's really special in it. I think that's um, that, that speaks a lot about a person. Yeah, I mean, Gareth's superpower is that he... Um, I, I told him this recently, actually. I, I said I don't think he quite appreciates how much people appreciate it. Mm. Uh, he, he remembers the vast majority of people he's ever met. So, to, to me... as You would think from all the rugby knock, he, he wasn't... I can barely remember my kid's name yeah, from all the whack yeah. the head I got. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> um, but as a, as a youngster in the industry... Uh, not really pulling up any trees, not really making a name for myself. I, I met him a couple of times, and, and for him then to not just remember me, but take an interest in my career and, and then actively help me was, was is incredible. I mean, he he's a big part of the reason why I'm, I'm sat here having this conversation yeah. with with you, Marcus. So yeah, it, it, it's a talent. I sadly don't possess that. My memory is shocking. So <laughs> if I've ever write it down, if, if I've ever met anyone, anyone who's listening or watching this, if I've ever met you at an event and you said, "Oh hi, Phil," and I've looked really blank, that's be- just because I've got. Still don't know my name. I mean, my name is written down the bottom left of the screen. If you have a look, just in case you start want to be Dave or something later on. Um, no, but, I mean, genuinely, I think that's an important thing for people to remember, especially about the mentor side of things. I've got mentors that don't know their mentors. I consider them like non-exec directors. They don't get paid. They don't know about it. Um, they just help with my business, and and also they're really willing to, right? The good, successful people are willing to to share it. And like you said earlier on, success leaves clues, but they will actually tell you, you know. So for any brokers yeah. that aren't where they need to be yet, or aren't in a big business, or maybe feel slightly isolated, just reach out to people who you respect because they will happily pick up the phone, give you kind of twenty minutes, won't they? I don't think there's, I don't think there's anyone's ever spoke to that hasn't been willing to help. Yeah, I mean, 99% of people in this industry, there's a really good bunch of people in this industry and in it for the right reasons. I mean, nobody probably epitomises it more than than Monty, who's at at, um, at Amy um, and and MD of Corico. I mean, he's kind of the face of our industry in many ways, Mm -hmm. but he's also really helpful. And uh, I mean, speaking of of Amy, the Association of Mortgage Intermediaries, they've got a great uh, scheme at the minute uh, go to the website working in mortgages um, and if you're looking for mentorship you can you can find it that there are, there are plenty of people on there who are willing to be a mentor for, for somebody who's probably new or inexperienced in the industry or maybe not maybe someone's been in it for a long time but wants to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to, 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 to develop those relationships that's really interesting but, uh, it's, it's, yeah it's really good really good kind of thing they put together and, what, and, they, and they align you with people who they think will be relevant to your, what you what you need or Exactly, and it's obviously a really good system because no one's reached out to me yet, Marcus, to, to, to ask for me to be their mentor. You put your name on there about ten times. They go, no, no nothing, nothing yet, Phil. Any interest? No, nothing yet. Still, still waiting for that guy. Um, we all, you, you are very disparaging of yourself. You've done a lot in a, in a, you know, in a relatively short career, and I know we always joke about it, but again, like I said this to you before offline, that you, you're a sales manager for one of the top firms in a network where they make. A, a lot of money that's something to be proud of but you have a lovely endearing personality trait that you always sort of slate yourself but um, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't but um, I don't, I, do you know what? I, I, I take praise re- I, I, hate, I don't really like it so I, uh, I, I don't know I'm how to do rather it. someone criticise me <laughs> I think if anyone gives me any praise I find a way to take the piss out of it I don't know any other way 
I don't know, I don't know who yeah. is comfortable with going, thank you, I'll take that on with gratitude. That's what you're supposed to say. You cannot do yeah. it. Well, I, I do, I do, but I appreciate it, Marcus, thank you. <laughs> um, so it, let's talk about this, because obviously it, Monica Bradley Associates have been around for a long time. Right, so you've built a business in a different era when it comes to social media and that kind of thing. Um, but obviously you appreciate that's an important part of business now. How, how easy was it to change? Because it's easy when your business is born into social media. When your business was sort of born out of referral and, and word of mouth and driving business and other, other forms of advertising, how easy was it to pivot into social media and has everyone kind of embraced it? Um. To answer your question in, in brief is is not easy and, and no, um, it's it's, <laughs> it's really got a bit longer than that, mate. It's a podcast. Um, it's got me. <laughs> um, I, I see plenty of other firms who do a really really great job of it, and um, and and I, I think we're still learning a lot, uh, and, and there's an awful lot to learn. Um, I mean, for us, most of our business still does come via referrals, uh, uh, which is, I mean, there's no better compliment in the work that we do, right, is that, that clients who've dealt with us time and time again feel feel happy to, to refer their friends and family on, and, and, and we don't take that lightly, we're, we're so appreciative of it, and we're so fortunate that that, that is the case, because that's where, that's the lifeblood of our business, and, and in addition to that, we, we work with some, some really great introducers, and, and we started working with a couple of new introducers now who... Um, Big things? Just... I think share our passion for the client, but in different ways. What one's an estate agent, and and another deals with with landlords. Um, so yeah, the, the, the social media stuff is 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 difficult. It's it's really hard to get people to to follow the business and actually get eyeballs on the content that you're posting out. So it's got to be regular. Uh, it's got to be consistent. Uh, I'm saying this as somebody that doesn't really post that. Doesn't do it. But we've, we've I think you know what regular <laughs> yeah. regular and consistent is more important than the quality. I know that might be controversial. Yeah. I know you've got to put out good marketing. But actually, what you have got to be is in front of people all the time when they need you. Um, I think people yeah. kind of dwell on like doing a really great marketing piece, and then ten people see it. It's a bloody waste. You're better off getting out in front of them, you know, twenty times, and maybe less on the being concerned about that one perfect bit of marketing. Yeah, exactly. And we've got we've got a really good marketing manager who who deals with this. So I, I mean. I'm basically stealing all of her buzzwords. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not the man to answer this question, but um, but no, I mean, I, I think it's really important that you don't go out there looking for the sale. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many examples of, of people who do this really well, where there's there's good quality content out there where people can learn something. Um, and I'm and pointing at me, but you're not. When you're refusing to look at me, I'm pointing at me, saying <laughs> me. You are refusing yeah. to acknowledge it, so I'll say me. No, value Adam, right? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, you guys, honestly, you do you, you do a really great job of it. Actually, um, it's it, that's what you need to do. It's it seems counterintuitive that you're trying to sell yourself by not selling yourself. But um, do you know, we, we always we have that joke about it. I don't need to do the same mortgages. We say that there, if we can get through a whole thing without talking about recruitment, we're pretty much guaranteed we're going to get a client, even though we haven't talked about yeah. it because we've got to talk about them, right? Their problems, what they're facing, and as much the same as in mortgages, recruitment, any sales job. No one, wants to, no one really gives a shit what we do. They just care about their problem and how we can solve it. Um, so actually, that big, that big recruitment, that, you know, doing the big marketing piece on why we're amazing, doesn't fit as well as actually going, look, we'll save you this, we'll do this, and we'll do this. Well, hey, look, I mean, you've kind of shoehorned it in, so let's, let's talk about recruitment, because I, I think that's the toughest thing to get right 
yeah. in, in our right. industry. I mean, obviously, you use a fantastic recruitment agency, which makes a massive difference to you and everyone around you, and it's kind of fulfilling in your life. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but other than that, how, uh, why, why is recruitment hard? And, and oh, that's across the industry, isn't it? The, the, the toughness of it. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, it's, it's so hard because you don't really know what you're going to get until you've had that person working with you for a period of a few months. And we, we've, we've taken on, I mean, we've not always got it right. And, and we, we've taken on some, some people who, who've had all the potential, had all the, the talent, um, look good on paper, and it's just not happened. And I feel like you are chewing in me to pitch about my behavioural testing technology, but I know it's not about me, so I'll let you carry on. But there is a way of dealing with this. Go on, go on carry on. So. Well, well, well <laughs> I mean, the thing is, we, we've now kind of, I guess, adjusted our strategy. So, so I mean, please do talk about it, because I think now we need to, we need to recruit based upon behaviour. It's... I mean, we, we do this right. So we, we do this. We, we bring we try and bring some young people into the industry mm-hmm. um, initially as as power planners, supporting some of our top advisors. Uh, who I mean, what a platform! What a launch pad into the industry. I didn't have this. Uh, I was just given a, essentially a laptop and a phone and uh, and said off you go, knowing nothing. Uh, and we bring some some people in who get to shadow genuinely some of the best advisors doing the job in, in, yeah. in the country right now which that should happen and as well right if you're, if you're great at your job you should be being shadowed because great brokers only exactly. become great from following great brokers I think it's so important that you've, you've kind Correct. of um, but, but, but there we, we've we, embraced we, that we don't recruit I mean, we don't really ask for a CV there because I mean, like I say we're, we're looking at young people really who some of them aren't going to look that great on, on paper it's more about attitude and, and, and work ethic and Actually, it's very hard for people to demonstrate that to you mm. within a short space of time, and, and, and this now is your launchpad, Marcus. Uh, and like, genuinely, oh, if anyone's listening, this right. was not this was not pre-planned, so I could pitch this. But I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't never make secrets about who my clients are and stuff, and, and you guys are, um, and we are, we're introducing this this year, and it's been phenomenal. We've just we started it, but um, so it's behavioural testing, right? Before, because we, we we were looking at how we can separate ourselves from everyone else, and. The one issue we have is that everyone hires on experience yet sacks on behaviours. So we, we want to kind of flip the switch on that. And I know Rob Jupp actually, we, I had a podcast with Rob and he, he was talking about yep. it and it opened my eyes up to behavioural testing, although they do it, funny enough, after they've employed someone. So we were saying, so okay, what if we do it off our own backs? And obviously we pay for that. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's part of the process now that we would do that for people so it comes up. So instead of getting a, just a CV, you know how someone's driven and you know how they're motivated and you know what personality traits they have and you know how they want to be managed. Um, so the point of that is obviously to, to retain staff, right? Because recruitment is recruitment is recruitment, but it, there's 240,000 recruitment companies. How are you going to separate yourself? And the only way is if we can, if we can kind of get pretty near as damn it to guaranteeing that when you get someone in, they're the same behaviours that you want to be successful in that business. Obviously, there's variables outside of that, but actual behaviours, I think, is so important. And I don't think I think everyone will be doing it. Um, I was looking at uh, Robert Smith, uh, you know, Vista Equity Partners, got like 97,000 employees or something. He doesn't even look at CVs. He, he, he works on behaviours. And, they, and their yeah. retention rate and that kind of thing is phenomenal. And how it hasn't been picked up by everyone going, oh, maybe we should do that. Because we're yeah, still a kind okay, of a I mean, TV-sifting type this business. Is one of the things 
This is one of the things I've learned. I mean, I've had to learn in this role I'm in now. I've had to learn really fast. I've gone from being siloed as just a, a mortgage broker in my own right to having to, to to work with a bunch of other people with very different personalities and very different needs and motivations. And and actually, everyone talks about the the, the golden rule of treat people how you would like to be treated. Well, that's just plain wrong, right? I mean, yeah, because everyone's the, different. It's yeah. called the platinum. The, the, yeah, the platinum rule is treat people how they. How they should be treated based upon how they react best, and yeah. and and that took a little took a little bit of learning. I had a few, uh, yeah, uh, used to butt heads with a few of our guys, and, and now I just what but I realised is I didn't understand them. Yeah, that's the thing, and I think I mean I'm going to get this over to you as soon as we finish because I think it's really interesting. Um, because as the client, you fill it out as though you're looking for a mortgage broker, and obviously candidates fill it out, and then then we find the matching yeah. jobs. Um, but it's super interesting if you get even if you get your team to fill it out. Because there's so much, so many reports on there that they look at them. It gives them a chance to look at themselves quite deeply as well. Um, some of the stuff that came up on some of our team stuff, they were really honest at the end and said, "Look, that is like someone had like aggressively competitive, and she's a really kind of gentle person." And, and she went, "Well, I am. I just don't tell anyone." So the things that come up in the reports are really important. But it also means that I know how to manage her because she's not, she's not gentle and nice and agreeable. Actually, she is aggressively competitive. So let's make sure everything's aligned with the way she wants to work. It shouldn't punch me or anything, but um, uh, she's close. <laughs> she's close to not, not my wife, by the way. She does. Um, <laughs> but no, no behaviours are so important, though. I think, I think it's going to be a game changer yeah. for, for businesses um, because... Recruitment is tough. Well, look, I'd the cost of that. recruitment is tough. I'd if you've got to be higher. Sorry, Beck, go on. Sorry, I, I, I think the feet got out there. I'd love to do that for our team, actually. I think that's really important. I mean, yeah. I did hear Rob's episode, and, and look, I mean, if you want to know how to run a successful mortgage business, listen to Rob Jupp, right? I mean, he's, he's been there, done that, worn the t shirt. It's a big t shirt, but he's, he's worn it, he's worn it well. <laughs> the thing um, is, as well, if you look and, at that, in, in regards to their behaviours and stuff, it opened up their minds as well more to actually what you need next in the business because it's pointless having a drone business or a clone business rather of just high thinking everyone being the same our diversity comes from our behaviors not just mm. you know everything else that we consider to be diverse it comes from the behaviors of everyone so once you once you get go delve into it i'm getting quite a geek about it now because i just think like it you can you can take the the guesswork out of recruitment or take the guesswork out of management and actually put the science behind it of how people want to be treated it's um Yes, it's huge. It should be huge. I will. I will actually after yeah. this, Phil. I will get this over for your teams as well. Worth looking at. Yeah, because I heard Rob. I heard Rob mention that. I mean, he'd done this with his team, which is which is a really great. Idea. I mean, mine's better than Rob's, uh, but I've already told him that. <laughs> well, he was describing people as being different colours. So he he was a red person, I think he said, and somebody else was yeah. green or blue. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what I would be, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, that, that, again, that's really useful. I think that's important for people as well when they're looking to grow to their teams, because you can get to a certain point, right, where you just you've had a good team, you've got a good bunch, maybe you knew some of them, and they've all worked together, and your culture's there. But actually, when you really start to scale, the behaviour side of things is is something that you can um, that is just more data-driven than that gut feel of, oh, yeah, I would have a beer with that guy. I think he'd be a good broker. I think that's, yeah. that's got to change as, a, as an industry. Yeah, exactly. And look, I mean, going back to the whole culture piece, I mean, I'm, I'm a, a big sports fan and I'm, I'm really fortunate enough to call some, some ex-professional sports people, um, kind of clients and friends, and the, the, the way that they operate is, is something that in business we could learn a lot from 
um, and, and that you've got these really high performing um, groups of people uh, and, and in a changing room if you're an elite sports team uh, and and somebody one individual is not behaving in the way that everyone else agrees that they should do that there is a culture that allows everybody it's a self-policing culture that yeah, yeah. The, the, the team members will kind of slap each other down and, and, and say look this is not how we do things and and we're not I'm not saying that's what we, we're like it, it's something it's a goal of ours and uh, one thing that I've always wanted to do and, and haven't done is, is to, to ask um, a bunch of elite sports teams can, can I just come in and observe them for, for a day yeah, and, yeah. And, and see see what happens there because I think there's an awful lot that we can learn learn from that and, and have a self-policing culture because if we all agree as long as the self-policing culture is all agreed right you you agree yeah. you agree this is how we behave. So we've done it we've done it in the office. So we all got together at the beginning of last year and we wrote above the line and below the line behaviours. So we're all absolutely clear that this is how we act all the time. You know, and it's really some of it's really obvious. Like we all have to give a shit about our customers. You know, we can't you can't do something for you. You has to be guided by them, and it can't be money driven. The, the money is the result of doing good things. Um, but below the line stuff, I don't care if you are like the the lowest admin in the business or an MD of a business, if you're doing below the line behaviours, anyone in that business can go, that's not right. And you have to suck it up because you yeah. all agreed it. We wrote it down. We've got it on, you know, we haven't got it on the wall. We're not, we're not that uh, cultured yet. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, <laughs> we're not that cool. But, um, but, you know, if everyone signs off on it, then you're right. It's, but also, it does become a little bit more data-driven decisions because you go, you haven't done this and we said we would. Or that the way you're acting yeah. isn't how we said we'd act, and you've agreed to it. So it's not just like a, I don't think that person's really up to scratch. We, it's like a contract, you know, the, the behavioural contract as to how you should how you should act as a business. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think when you when you're setting something something up like that, it has to be very specific. So you can't necessarily say kind of be on time for meetings. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you have to say be in the room two minutes before a meeting set to start I mean that, that, that's you've got to be really specific in, in, in what you set out we, we have an interesting one with timings because I I find it very disrespectful if someone's late but that's because I'm always Same. on time so then I realise that yeah. they're not being you're, you're a minute late for this by the way Marcus but you know I was back oh, I had a problem with the battery and the light I told you the light and the sun came in um, but you know what I do I, I apologise for that Phil I think it was bang on but I uh, um, I'm not one to be over a minute but it, it does bother me and I think um, but what I learned is that it doesn't bother other people if you're late and then they're late they're late people right my, my wife is a prime example but she, she never thinks she's late so, but she's not doing it out of disrespect so we have one of ours is respect how respect other people's time so if you know what I mean, like you're aware that it annoys me to be punctual. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not it's not just be a bit early because some people are late people, right? Some people leave everything to the last minute. Um, but just understanding the person you're going to see, if they're going to take offence to it, I mean, I, oh, no, like late to a customer thing is a no-no anyway. But um, just just it's more of a respect for the other person as opposed to how you feel about it because they'll be like, oh, I'm five minutes late. What does it matter? Yeah. But just be aware, you know. Yeah. It's much yeah. on the same time that no one else is trying to be mean because they're late. They just don't get it like you do. Or no one else is trying to take the piss yeah, out of you. Exactly. They just don't get it like you do. So you have to get out of your own head about everyone should have the same view on it as me. Even yeah. though everyone should have the same view on it as me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So that, that's really, really useful. So if 
if you're speaking to these young brokers now who are just kind of coming into the market, obviously um, maybe not working somewhere as successful as, as Monica Bradley or, or looking to maybe become that, that type of person, what, I always ask everyone this nearing the end, that what kind of tip can you give someone to kind of take away today that will help them in their career when it comes to, to, comes to advancing it? Gosh, do you know, you do ask this every time, and so you'd think I'd be prepared for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, I, I just think it, it, there's nothing really groundbreaking I can give you. There's no, there's no silver bullet. Just do the right thing, just have the right behaviours. At the end of the day, no matter what we do, there's a, there's a person at the end of the phone or there's a person at the end of the email, there's a real person there, and um, we've, got the, we've got the power to, to really help them. Um, and we've also got the power to really mess things up for them if, mm. if we do it wrong so just treat that person with respect um, and, and do the right thing don't cut corners um, don't think about them as, as some pound notes on a piece of paper because if you look after that person they're going to look after you for a long long time and I guess this is one of the things one of the major things I've learned from from, from Monica is understanding the lifetime value of, of a client and, mm. and if we do the right thing by that client and put them at the centre of everything that we do. Um, when it comes to that, that, that's I guess why we get so many referrals. Yeah, that, that they're, they're really happy with the service. Um, they feel like they're important because they are, uh, and therefore they, they, not only do they come back to us again, but they will also refer a lot of people to us. So it, it just keep on doing the right thing. And, and look, I mean, this industry can be really tough at, at, at times. It's it's not like anything else that I've ever really encountered from from anyone that I know doing I mean we are it's, it's, a, it's a real roller coaster um, of emotions from one day to the next we're, we're financial advisors we are counsellors um, we, we, we've got to phone up sometimes with some terrible news to people we, we, we get to break great news to people um, and, and it's it's a tough old job I, I've got a saying I've got a few sayings right and, and, and uh, there's a lot of philisms out there and, and one of them is that some days you're the pigeon and, and some days you're the statue, and it's just it's just how it is, right? <laughs> and and don't get too down on yourself when you have a terrible day. Sometimes it's fine just to close a laptop at four o'clock and go and do something else because it's just not happening for you. Um, and then other days you'll have a great day. So nothing is ever as good or as bad as it seems. It might seem it at the time, but when you zoom out, um, everything's going to be okay if you just stick to those little behaviours that ultimately will will see you right in the long run. Lovely. Good. That's a really nice way to end it. Thank you very much, Phil. I appreciate that. And um, thank you, everyone, watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify. Uh, I really appreciate your time, genuinely. I think there's some really good stuff there, especially in regards to the kind of behaviours and mentorship and that kind of thing. I think there's a lot that people can take away. Um, so, yeah, as I said, thank you for everyone listening and watching. And thank you very much for your time, Phil. appreciate it. If people want to get hold of you, um, obviously all of your socials are going to be on our um, on our marketing and, and on the YouTube and on Spotify etc but if anyone wants to speak to you directly how do they get hold of you? Um, yeah probably go via LinkedIn uh, on there I think it's got my contact details so you can drop yep, me a little bit on there um, I, try and be, I try and be super responsive <laughs> yeah um, I mean if you want to look me up on, on Twitter you'll see me talking about soup and, and, uh, and say hello <laughs> to really, but <laughs> that's, that's about it really you won them over at LinkedIn I want to start talking about soup uh, <laughs> all right, Magic, thank you very much. I appreciate your time, Phil. I will, I'll speak to you soon. Perfect. Thanks, Marcus. Cheers.